0: Welcome back, everybody, to our Congregational Blessing Special Podcast. I am Shane Adams. And I am Brad Johnson. And you are? Mary Gill. And today we're talking to Mary Gill about uh, the the theme of blessing. And uh, one of the things that we, uh, one of the reasons we brought Mary uh, in and, and wanted to have her as a part of this is because Mary's um, experience as a part of the pastorate and, and really has been a pivotal uh part of us getting to this point of congregational blessing and so uh, we're excited to have her here. Uh, we're gonna talk to her a little bit about you know her life in the church. so Mary, why don't you share with us a little bit about uh, what your like how, how it was growing up in, in, a, in a, a family that moved a lot? I know that you, you guys have had a lot of different homes and, and what's that been like?
1: So I would say um, number one that I that's where church became home was because we did move so often that the constant was whenever we walked into an RLDS, or Community of Christ, congregation, um, we were treated like family. Um, I remember times when the seven of us in a big family were invited over to uh, a very small house, unbeknownst to the person who invited us, and said, come and have dinner with us after church on Sunday. And that sense of hospitality and invitation was pretty consistent Um, in every congregation that we made home for whether it was 18 months or whether it was two or three years. Um, So that was the part that I think was constant for me and um, made me even more committed to uh, maintaining my membership and my belief in the organization as well as uh, in my discipleship um, for Jesus Christ. Um, And I do have the added benefit of both on my mom's and my dad's side of the family. We are... Um, fifth generation and sixth generation Community of Christ, RLDS. LDS. And so um, it looks different on both sides, but there definitely is that, um, that string that, that attaches us um, many generations. So church history and the origin of um, um, Church of Christ, if you will, was, was something that I knew about Quite young because of just the background of my grandparents and great grandparents and going back four or five generations.
2: Now, your personal journey after college took you a little different than yeah. m- probably anybody else that I know. Could you share a little bit about that and maybe how that's helped you view the world a little differently? Well, and
1: and how I vo- and how I view the church too, yeah. because um, that was pretty much Community of Christ was all I knew. But um, when I was 24, I made the choice to go teach and um, oversee schools. Um, my first uh, posting was at the American School in Lima, Peru. And even though there was a Community of Christ Church there, um, there were times when it just was so hard because they, everything was in Spanish and I would just be exhausted trying to understand what was going on. So um, I often went to an interdenominational English-speaking Christian church that was expats who would um, attend church there. And um, it was something that was very helpful for me because I had never um, been in a, a pattern church, in other words, where the same minister spoke every single Sunday. Mm. Um, and I got laughingly, I can still remember his name in Peru. His name was Reverend Matthews. And I can remember laughingly coming home to my husband and um, who I had just met and we were dating at the time and, said, and saying to him, um, "You know, I pretty much know what Reverend Matthew's going to say about this because I just knew, knew him so well. But I got spoiled growing up because I was so used to different perspectives each week at Community of Christ, listening to people that I agreed with and those that I didn't those that were very prepared those that were not prepared it just taught me um, not only the content but also you know the the trappings of church and how important or lack or not important um, they can be in someone's uh, journey so um certainly when i um, after i'd experienced that in a couple of different locations when i came back to permanently live here that was one of the things that i still treasure is that sense of diversity Um, And even though um, our Olathe congregation doesn't have racial diversity, I have um, grown to understand diversity in a much broader term. Mm -hmm. That diversity really is um, so much more than just what religion or race you are. And so we do have a very diverse group of people And I really enjoy listening to their perspectives, whether they're speaking or doing um, discipleship response or presiding. It's just been um, something that I've learned to really appreciate about our denomination. Mm.
0: I would, I would love to have you uh, come and share your testimony of unity and diversity to mm. our uh, pre-baptismal class because I feel like I failed miserably. We, we, we talked about that today <laughs> as one it's of the enduring that principles. group to feel like you failed
1: miserably because yeah. I've been when there, you, done that. <laughs> when you have six seven-
0: and eight-year-old boys plus two girls, it is, it is a, a lot to handle. And, and concepts like unity and diversity, uh, yeah. they... they they, I think they understand them, but thankfully, because our, our world is changing as much as it is, and they're they're being more exposed to diversity in their schools sure. and stuff like that, I think that, that concept of trying to reinforce that unity and diversity, that worth of all persons, uh, is, I don't want to say it's less important, because it's very important, but but it doesn't resonate nearly as much, because at that age, I don't know that they... They understand its value. Uh, What other countries did you live in?
1: So um, I personally lived um, four years in Lima, and then... Um, we moved back to the States um, and then we moved back to South America, but lived five years in Buenos Aires, Argentina. But my husband, before we were married, also lived four years in Bangkok, Thailand, and so there was a lot um, that he has brought to our relationship about those four years of living in Bangkok and and the and just the, um, uh, the Asian sort of influence that... Um, we find in in our lives still so and
2: your son was born in Peru, Lima, yeah. Lima and yeah,
1: but
0: Leslie old. was born here, right?
1: She was born in North Carolina. Oh well. Yep. yep. United States. Yep. Okay. In the United yeah. States. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Okay. So, so. Uh, have you ever been back to uh, any of the countries? Yeah.
1: We haven't and we laughingly told Aaron he needed to wait um, or he needed not after he was eighteen not to go back because when you have dual citizenship, um, after eighteen, then they can sort of say you didn't serve your two years in the Peruvian military. So you know, be careful when you go <laughs> back there. But oh, wow. I mean, he hasn't ever had an opportunity to. Uh, he may at some point. I don't know. He he left when he was quite young. He left Peru when he was quite young. I think he was seven weeks old when we moved away. Yeah. But then he did have the five years in Argentina to sort of um, understand um, international perspective a bit.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of understanding, one of the things we kind of wanted to understand as we we're here in our blessing week is how we got to this place mm-hmm. of into these 40 days. And, and um, you were extremely instrumental in bringing this about and bringing this to the pastor. And I, I think you were inspired to do that. And I, you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing what that inspiration was, what the thought process was, what that journey was to get there for us.
1: So um, I don't know that I can do justice to um, experiences that you feel. So that's one of my trepidations now, is because it was a very um, um, spiritual sensory um, experience or combinations or compilations of experiences, which I think are difficult to share um, when when you're um, trying to tell someone what you felt. But I will tell you that um, I have learned in, I think I'm finishing my eighth year, Um, as being part of a pastor team. And one of the things that I've learned in that time, it's been important for me to find times to be away from the congregation leadership role. For example, um, a week at um, reunion, or a week at World Conference, or attending a priesthood gathering, where I'm hearing things not through the lens of um, how is it impacting my congregation? But I'm I can just be open and be myself, and it's I find it's much um, more important for me to experience those times, um, because I get too caught up in the logistical part of being pastor when I'm sitting in the pew each Sunday, and so um, a lot of what happened um, in preparing or it, for my um, understanding and being open to understanding um, God's desire to bless the Olathe congregation, um, came in those times when I was not here in the building, but I was someplace else, and I was able to listen differently and listen more openly. Um, And so the first um, experience came when I went to a reunion where the theme was fully awake and ready to respond. And um, there was a, a Section 158 Doctrine and Covenant scripture that was used that said specifically look to the sacraments to enrich the spiritual life of the body. And a lot of that week was talking about how we've been gifted as a denomination with eight sacraments and their purpose is to bless us in so many different ways. And so as the week, and I literally have goosebumps right now as I'm talking, remembering that week where the whole time I just was building and building and building on the possibilities that were presented to us to experience this in our congregational life. And um, and so then, and so you you reach the end of the week with that culminating experience and then you come home to the reality of how do you translate that to people who weren't sitting next to you in that chair? How do you explain what you felt? How do you explain the questions that came or the confirmations that were received? And so that's why it probably was, Brad, was it a year I was
2: trying to remember that as we're talking about this, how long we started talking. At least a year, I bet. Maybe a year and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So because it wasn't wasn't just a... a, For me, it wasn't about coming and saying, we're doing this. Because it wasn't a a top-down decision. It needed to be something that was a shared experience in our community. So how do you prepare um, others to... Um, receive or to share this experience and so it's we spent quite a bit of time in discussion and conversation about that but um, I, I think I I, um, I I felt that my question to the other pastors was is it possible that the spiritual life of Olathe can be enriched can be understood differently by receiving this blessing so we spent time um, a lot of our worships be as we Um, at the opening of our pastors' meeting were questions about that. Uh, We brought it to the leadership. The leadership pondered with that. And they asked some really hard questions. The hardest questions, um, I'm going to look at Shane, the hardest questions were the very first planning meeting. Once we had left our sort of cocoon of security of, yes, we're ready to do this, and we reached out to others who had not been with us, and Shane um, and Allie were two of the first people we reached out to, or I should say people who responded to the invitation, probably is a better way of saying it. Um, but th- as we sat there, Shane and Allie that night asked some really, really hard questions about why we were going into the process of, of, um, of congregational blessing. Why did we want to be here? What did we think was going to happen? And from that first that first First meeting we had that whole week, I found myself at my computer trying to ask the questions that I wanted to have answers, or that I that were sitting with me, and then what is it that I hope to get out of that? What did I hope the congregation would receive from those questions? And and it and it created what I kind of um, tongue in cheek called almost a, a white paper about you know why are we having this congregational blessing? Um, because we opened up to other people outside and said, come in and help us prepare. And that's what Shane and Allie did. They came in and helped us prepare um, with asking questions that, that were hard, that were not, because they were hard because we hadn't already pondered and considered them. If they'd asked us the questions we'd already considered, it would have been, oh, yeah, I know why we're doing this. But they ask us questions that in my mind, I didn't really know.
2: And the process questions and process and how, what's the process like and how are we going to do this and also offered what about this so yeah yep and made made all of our paradigms shift about yes.
1: but what yep. what's that going to look like and 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 I also think empowered um, with potential things that you in your mind think oh I could never do that and all of a sudden we were empowered to the possibilities of doing things that seemed really out of reach um, when we first started. So um, I, I think that's probably, um, it, it doesn't really tell the journey because there's so many p- places along yeah. the road that, that there was confirmation and affirmation. Mm-hmm of what we were doing. Um, Having said that, I will also say that there have been times, and I'm kind of in one of those times right now, where I'm feeling really disconnected and saying, okay, what's going on? Why do I feel so disconnected? Why is this so hard for me? And so for me, it's been really important to just get through the tough times and and don't give up and and continue moving forward with it. Um, Don't give up the hope part of it. so, yeah, I, I, I don't think I want to express this as here's this mountaintop experience that just continued to grow and grow and grow because you know, my reality is I'm as human as they come. Mm-hmm. And that's why the uh, for me, the the analogy of pastor as companion on a journey was so much more important than pastor of a flock mm-hmm. because I am as vulnerable and human and difficult as any other human. And so I, I certainly didn't want to hold myself up as a, a, someone to be followed, but other, rather someone that's trying to journey together.
0: I think that those peaks and valleys of uh, our spiritual journey are always a part... Like, I, I, don't, I don't know of a lot of people who, have, who don't have peaks and valleys in their spiritual journey. I don't know. Maybe, maybe there are people who, who are able to level those out in some way. I, I'm not somebody who is like that. I, I, I commiserate with you Uh, but appreciate that um, there are those times where you have these moments of question, these moments of uh, confusion, these moments of disconnection that prompt us to either retreat and kind of recharge or to um, adventure away and seek Uh, I think that there are a lot of different ways in which we kind of deal with those, with those valleys, uh, but, but I I don't think that there's anything wrong with any of them. Uh, that's, I think, something that I've had to struggle with myself is this idea that, well, the, the in the moments where I doubt, in the moments where I don't trust, um, does that make me Mm -hmm. less Mm -hmm. and uh as as I went through trust week uh that was like the thing that kept on like banging me over the head was um all you need is just a a shred like just the little tiniest amount and I will show up for you in a way that you will not even imagine uh that that was my experience And, and and thinking about what uh, what you, you were talking about with Allie and I kind of coming into the um, the process, I think Allie and I, as we entered into that, you know, we we didn't know kind of what you guys were looking for out of us. And so we just, I think our questions were really more, how can we be of service mm-hmm. to helping the process? And I'm glad to hear that that what we offered was... Was helpful in you know, the a lot of the ideas. Oops, you're being interviewed, but I'd say a lot no, of the no, ideas no, no. were it's a like,
1: conversation.
2: Wow, yeah, that's a good idea. Absolutely. Go with it. Yeah, yeah. Mary, I'm, yeah. Did you ask a question that Mary needs to answer, or can I nope, talk? No, I think no. We're, Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I just I... was talking. Okay, well then. <laughs> as <laughs> I, as keep, I do keep, oftentimes. Keep
1: your question, because I do want to just oh. give one feedback okay. piece to that, um, to what you were talking about, is that whole shred piece, or am I not good enough? One of my, that where I, where I have learned with unequivocal faith and knowledge, faith to the point of knowledge is that when you have that sense of, gosh, I'm struggling here, am I not good enough, is to understand, for me, I've understood that it's never that you're not good enough for God. It is the people around you and the situation around you, the human around you, that caused me to have doubt. Mm. So I used to equate that to God doubting, or, you know, God, I'm not being good enough to, for God, or I'm not doing what God wants me to do, or I'm not. But I've learned to understand that that I'm reading people instead of read, uh, instead of having faith that God's unconditional grace is uh, available to me. Mm-hmm. And so that has been a huge journey, because even when I'm on my valley, 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 valley times, it's never about I'm not good enough for God to, to to do what God's calling me to do. It's really about am I in a position where the people around me are going to um follow? Are the because pe- you know that's part of it, as you can lead, but you gotta have people who understand and follow too. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to no. uh, that clarifying. Sorry. Yeah.
2: Well that got me off into two other thoughts, but I'm gonna Sorry. go back to work where, where I was because you got me thinking about about this journey in our uh 40 days. And I, I I'm gonna use an analogy that it's kind of like what we're in in these 40 days and all this time before. It, it's kind of like college, where you get ready, you study, and you do, and it's great. You're having all this excitement about going to school, and you're making friends, and you're learning new stuff, and you're getting smarter, hopefully, and, and all this. And then you graduate, and that's what the... That's, to me, I'm thinking in this analogy, and I've only thought of it now, so maybe it doesn't work, but that's the blessing day. What happens after graduation? Where, where do you see... Us as a congregation going with our graduation.
1: So um, this becomes almost emotional for me. So I'm I'm gonna see if I can share this or not. But. Um, um. So when it, uh, I, for, I think people who are listening probably know our, our Congregational's history, so I, I, I don't think I have to give too much backstory, but um, I did make the choice not to let my name stand to be part of the leadership team again, which was not an easy decision for me Because um, I have grown and um, treasured the camaraderie and the sense of community that I have built with or that we have built as a a team of four or five over the last eight years. And to walk away from that was very um, difficult because I felt felt like uh, because I'm such an introvert by nature... That it was gonna that I was going to have a hard time recreating that sense of trust and community with others the way that I had in in that time. The reason I'm saying that though is that I had um, um, uh, a sense of of understanding and then several confirmations of my decision, um, kind of culminating on our blessing um, our um, um, administration laying on of hands service that we had recently. Where I was administered to, with the idea of here's what I'm, I've been I've been sort of under, to understand, and I just need to un, to know that this is where I need to go, um, and the affirmation was, and I grieved the idea of not being part of the pastor team anymore, um, but the understanding was there that for the time that you have been in this role, you and the others on the team have worked and prayed. For other people to feel empowered to step into roles that have been provided in our community. They can't do that if you don't open up the doors for them to do that. And one of the doors that needs to be open is your role of leaving so that others can come in and grow in their leadership and in their understanding of where God is wanting them to be. And the timing, and the reason I'm ta- gonna come back around to your question. The timing of it was essential because I felt, um, or what was I felt affirmed was there has been a lot of preparation which I have um, felt um, successful in, our, in bringing our congregate, we have been successful in bringing our congregation to, and now it's time for this new team to, to take the blessing and to live it out in the way that this team has the vision for it. So I have to be honest with you and say, although my mind goes to all the possibilities that I have for what we could do post-blessing, that I bring it back into the fact that it's not going to be mine to um, interpret or understand or lead. It is going to be this new team of um, five pastors who will will be in that role. Um, Not that I won't have a membership responsibility and a priesthood responsibility, absolutely I will, but i don't let myself get too far down that road of what's going to happen after because i might be pleasantly surprised in where this new team um takes our congregation and it could be totally outside of where i've even pondered us going um post post blessings so um i can get my get caught up in thinking oh and we could and then mm-hmm. but then i i sort of pull myself in and say be available to be that tool of, of, of help and aid. Um, don't be the person who is trying to um, be the, the visionary here with this particular group. So um, I don't let myself get too far down the road with post-blessing because I feel as if um, this group of pastors now will um, definitely have amazing um, ideas of how we listen to the words and how we respond to
2: the words that we hear in blessing. And I bet you'll probably be beyond just those five It'll be oh, congregation. And, and and I
1: shouldn't have limited to that, yeah. yeah. But to yeah, to I, I in, know. any who respond yeah. um, as, as a result of that, yeah.
2: Because when we started this, to think what's going on, I mean, we didn't have this Never. vision. We, we talked about we should have a 40-day walk. I I don't remember what that was, but it certainly we had no idea that we would have a, a journey companion. We had no idea we were going to have those the Advent calendars. And podcasts, that was brilliant. Who would have ever thought podcasts? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> can't get much better. Now. I do know. But, you know, what what this was none of it. An, and I know. and I, I'm finding, I mean, beyond the podcast, put that out, I'm finding this other stuff so good. I love the journal. I, I assume you're journaling and working on that. And What's your reaction to that?
1: Um, I told Shane that um, yesterday when I was at um, the uh, Mission Center Conference, that there was a a question that kept coming back to me because of uh, a sharing um, of our apostle when she used words from President Veazey saying, um, what kind of church do you want to be? What kind of church do you want to be? And she used some scriptures to, 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 um, to couch it up or to bring it from. And I kept thinking, you know, that's, to me... That's the post-blessing question that will be ready for us as a result of all the preparation and all of the um, understanding. What now, what kind of church, what kind of congregation, what kind of community do we want to be? And um, what is that going to look like?
2: A couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, you came up with an idea for us as a congregation Mm -hmm. um, to do each Sunday with the what I love about being mm-hmm. part of Community of Christ, mm-hmm. and to remember and
1: relearn, and, relearn, relearn mm-hmm. and remember.
2: Tell us about that experience and how that mm-hmm. flowed into the blessing. Well,
1: it, it's the same, it, it, it was the precursor to my reunion experience yeah. in that, um, again, it was a time when I was not in a congregational role, I was attending a priesthood workshop, and it was uh, Apostle Grover who stood up there and said, I love being part of Community of Christ. And that's how she started. And then she um, proceeded to talk about how Apostle, um, and I think it was Mackay, had said, you know, because of the changes that Community of Christ has experienced, we're in a position where people are having to relearn, and remember what it means to be Community of Christ. Um, And those phrases just were burned and sat with me, Um, and I and I, I just felt like there was a need in our congregation to relearn what it meant to be community of Christ, to fall in love again with our church. And how could we do that? And that's when um, others' ideas came about where every day we had that time, every day, every Sunday, we had an invitation to listen to someone explain why do they love the church? And I think it What I do think it, and my, my hope was that it set a foundation of what we have in common enough that we might risk doing the blessing. Mm. That's that's really what it came down to is if we can feel like we have more in common than we were feeling before because of legislation, because of changes, because of understandings that we felt, you know, divided. If we spend the year just dwelling in our sameness the what we love about the church and sharing that experience would that then cause us to be ready to risk preparation
2: for a blessing mm. so it's, it's often my favorite part of the yeah, service yeah i know on right yeah. it
1: reminded me of our old wednesday night prayer service yeah, yes you know, yeah, it was a lot like that yes it was those testimonies yep, yeah absolutely
0: yeah. Uh, so we're starting to get towards the end of our okay. time um I have one last question that I want before we get into our uh, our, our kind of standard questions and what is uh, what is a a, a scripture that is really stuck with you uh, as you've as you kind of went through this journey of coming to the congregational blessing and and has has stayed with you? Is there one or two scriptures that have really I know you mentioned the one earlier, but right. I'd love for you to share that.
1: So, um, it, no surprise that um, in our preparation for our, our blessing, there have been some scriptures that we have um, we have um, learned and read and understood more deeply than maybe others. And the one that um, still will always be something that just touches my heart is Doctrine and Covenants one sixty four. Nine um, B and D, mostly because um, of the phrase, and we've talked about this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud again. Um, when it says, um, "When your willingness to live in sacred community as Christ's new creation exceeds your natural fear of spiritual and relational transformation, you will become who you are called to be." And I, oh, when I I remember hearing it for the first time as words of counsel brought to the church and I heard it when your um, willingness to live in God's sacred community exceeds your fear of not hearing the word natural fear and so for me it was like oh yeah here I go fearing stuff again here I go again being my fearful self and then there was an epiphany as we were preparing for our blessing when it was oh my dear daughter it is natural for you to fear Don't be guilty for that. It is natural for humans to fear. Own it. Mm -hmm. Accept it. It doesn't make you less because you fear what the transformation, you fear what could happen after the blessing has transformed us. That's natural for for us to have. So that um, will always cause goosebumps again for me because it has um, freed me from being in a position where I saw a, a fear component in my life as being always negative to being something that was gifted from God. You know, humans are fearful and understand that. And then just, that's part of your gift is to is to give in spite of. and
2: mm-hmm. not oh. that the beauty of scriptures as you read them? And they enlighten they, <laughs> they you about your life and yeah. tell you something that, wow, I can understand my relationship yeah. with God, my relationship yeah. with life.
1: So that's my, that is, that will always be my number one.
0: Well, I, I think even uh, going back to uh, the first week or the first day of the trust week when Tom shared our, our moment of blessing during during our business meeting. And he he talked about um, fear and trust kind of going hand in hand.
1: Absolutely. And
0: and I, I remember thinking that going, that's a, that's a, Bizarre and yet really settling and comforting, comforting. idea mm-hmm. uh, that we can um, count on fear uh, to be there uh, because it is a natural part of the process. Uh, so I, I think that 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 natural fear. I remember when you shared that that scripture uh, with with us as a part of the the preparation for the blessing, yeah. and thinking to myself. I never heard that scripture that way, mm-hmm. and uh, having this, having a similar experience uh, with with that scripture, the word "natural" was just a word there yep. It didn't have the yeah. meaning.
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I've uh, I know we're ready no, for no our go last go question, no, sure, but sure. But, uh, but more about me because it hasn't been enough about me <laughs> in this podcast. I've I've taken out kind of each week, kind of a concept out of each week and trust my trust week. I was saying. I can't remember if you were part of it earlier, but my trust week was Tom's comment. But that you know that fear and trust walk mm-hmm. hand in hand, and that was like wow. That is yep. You you you're not really trusting if you don't have some fear or and, some doubt. I yeah. think
1: he maybe even used part of the time yeah. he
2: used the word doubt. So is there something that walks hand in hand with belief? Since we're in uh, blessing week, or anything mm. that walks along there? That
1: well, I mean, I think that's what we just finished saying. Okay, is I mean, I, I think when when we're saying. You know, blessing to me is you you are not the same after you've been blessed. Mm -hmm. And so transformation and blessing to me are sort of both descriptors of the same event, um, if you will. And so I think that idea of natural fear or doubt or, um, you know, going hand in hand with it, I think is 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 the antithesis or not maybe not even but is that companion that that human companion that goes with transformation
0: who do you view as a mentor
1: so um i will um go to uh, a a congregational member who i have watched um, my whole life with awe and respect and that is um pat traxel um Her, I I had a lot of um, high priest models in my life through parent and sister and uncles. And and I had this model of what a high priest is. Um, And then I met Pat. And that became so much more um, and so much more... um, um, a sense of of, it, of the potential of it being a, a different model than what I had sort of been raised with. And so she um, definitely is someone that I've watched from her um, um, incredible listening um, to her um, uh, unequ- uh, just unquestioned love for the people that she is um, connecting with. So yeah, she is the...
2: What what about inspiration? What inspires you? Who inspires you? Where do you get your inspiration from?
1: So I'm going to go to another person for that one. Um, And you've heard me mention Apostle Grover several times. And there is just something about when Janae is speaking that, I don't know, it's almost like there's a shorthand. That what she says, all of a sudden, just uh, the light goes off for me and so she would be that person that i'm always anxious to sit in under her ministry because i know or or i i have a sense that I that I am understanding what what her intent is. We we had and I'm not even sure I can remember, but in this it's a time to act um, talk that President Vizy gave. Um, there was a there was sort of a blueprint that he talked about that you know that he was challenging churches to go to, and boy, I was pushing back against that because I'm just saying wait a minute, this doesn't account for congregations that are a bit different um, than what his model is. And it was at this last priesthood gathering that we talk, that Janae talked about that in her opening comments, and it was like, okay, I get that now, because it wasn't as defined as I needed, or I had felt like we were being pushed into certain um, uh, corners, but that it had a much more expansive view and understanding. So Janae is someone that when I'm struggling, and if I listen to her or if I ask her questions, that I walk away um understanding more or, or better prepared. So she's awesome for me.
0: Who do you, who do you say you model your life after?
1: <sighs> I don't. <laughs> I'm sure that's,
0: I'm no, that's, probably
1: not okay. I, I, um, I have to tell you that for me, it is all about um, accepting that the humanness that I am and understanding that um, as broken as I feel at times, God intentionally made me this way, mm. and and that I have been that things that I have seen as um, burdens and cumbersome and difficult, that I have time now and again um, had proven to be gifts that God has given me, and um, times when it's been you know I know you haven't seen this as a gift but here it is, and so I learned a bit ago uh, probably. Well, I won't even go into that story, but but there was a p- time when I finally had to say, "You are who you are, and this is the way God made you to be, and God loves that about you, and not and stopped intentionally stopped trying to model or be someone else because it it, it it was just not it was just not in the cards for me. I I was not going to be able to be anybody else. I couldn't be a sister that I. That I really looked up to. I, I, mean, I just was who I was, and the sooner I just accepted that.
2: Well, we're all good with who you are. <laughs> we we usually end with kind of a last question, which isn't going to make sense for you, so I'm going to change it. The one we usually ask for is tell us about your Twitter Twitter handle, your Facebook, <laughs> you your Instagram. You're really disappointed, right? Yeah, he's still- <laughs> If you don't know, you won't find her anywhere on that.
1: Intentionally, <laughs> intentionally. not because I—I I mean, I use technology, but yeah. I have intentionally stayed off of social so media. Here's
2: the, the other question: You worked in the past with Shane uh, for two or three, two year, year, two three. years. Two years, well, three—I three, think. Three. Yeah, three. Actually, yeah, and I think actually, three with me. This we've just finished our third. Okay. Okay. Who was the best between Shane and I? <laughs>
1: And ladies and gentlemen, we will now end our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, what we I, have what to a close. What, in I our podcast. Say, what, what I will say, though,
0: and and this will this can be a closing thought, if unless Brett has something else he wants to add. is uh, One of the things I always appreciated about serving with you, Mary, was the preparation that. You, and I don't know that I don't know that everybody is lucky enough to see some of this. Mm. Um, but the preparation that you always brought to our gatherings of of, of pastors, our gatherings of priesthood, uh, even the preparation that you uh, brought to your pre-baptismal classes that you taught in the past—that have I'm, I'm now reaping the, <laughs> the the preparation that you provided uh, as as teaching that class now. Um, that preparation and that awareness that there needed to be framework and structure uh because despite the idea that that god moves and and we we can all sense the spirit often we if we don't put that structure around it we can we can flail and languish and so i just have to say to you i have always appreciated that it is something that as i have grown as a, a leader I want to adopt more. So thank you for that.
1: Well, and I will just be the, the other side of that to say that the benefit of shared leadership is that when you have someone who has a, a trait that's like that, it is really important to have that that sort of um, flip side of person who doesn't get in the way of the spirit, who doesn't predetermine what's going to happen and you know the role that's a lot of the roles of um, other members including you and and Allie of our blessing team of you know let's it's all fine and good to sort of be prepared but don't get in the way and so if you're a single line pastor Mm -hmm. then where do you get that? I mean how do you how do you make sure that there is a, a yin and a yang yeah. in in that? The shared
2: so. leadership is is really Huge. nice. Yeah. Huge. And I I know you've told me enough on the side about the rankings but I knew you
0: weren't going to do it on the <laughs> podcast that's okay. <laughs>
1: You already were firm, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Brad knew the answer before yes. he yeah, asked. Well, yeah. uh, thank you again for thank being a part you. of our, our, our podcast. We appreciate and, and and we really appreciate the service of the last eight years of, oh, as a yeah. part of the leadership so. so much and and
2: getting this blessing, getting this moving on it. That's yeah. part of what Shane was talking about. All that. So, thank you very much. Uh,
0: this has been uh, another episode and and the and the last episode of our congregational blessing that that uh, you will hear. But so. Not- this is sort of
1: the last podcast. No, so
0: not there listen, we go. No, not Let's, the last podcast. Up, That's us not bring it the too true. No, we're, 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 we've got some other ideas.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, we're pretty sure, sure we do, do, do I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But
0: so. uh, thank you all for joining us along this 40-day journey. Uh, I'm Shane Adams. And I'm Brad Johnson.
2: Thanking Mary Gill, and saying stay tuned for our other ideas. And, and rate us on iTunes
0: with five stars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all five stars, yes. <laughs> This has been the final episode of the Congregational Blessings special podcast for Olathe Community of Christ. It's been hosted by Shane Adams and Brad Johnson. And for our final episode, we had uh, one of the pastors, Mary Gill, speaking about blessing. We really hope that you've enjoyed these podcasts as much as we've enjoyed recording them. Thanks for joining us.